Well, Mike, if you'd like to begin talking away about what you're interested in, well, that'd be great. Well, I um, came to Oxford in 1956 to the Department of Pathology uh, as a graduate assistant. And in those days, there were very few medical students. There were about uh, 30. And we had them... Uh, uh, you had a tutorial system whereby they one or two were allotted to you. And I had uh, interesting people, actually. I had Gath and Grimley Evans and Bell and Peter Lewis, who was the cleverest chap I ever taught, and also that man who's become the professor at um, the Brompton. I can't remember his name. Gosh, he's got an FRS. Anyway. Peeps. Sorry? Peeps? No, no, no. no not Peeps. No, no. He's a, he's a pharmacologist, actually, uh, but he's professor of medicine. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I come from Bristol, which of course everybody looked down on, but actually the system of teaching at Bristol was, I felt, very superior to that in operation in Oxford because they had a set course in pathology uh, with proper lab facilities and everything that went on uh, for two years really during the whole of the well during the first part of the clinical course anyway in 1960 I left uh, I left Oxford really because I've done a I was always interested in lungs, and I'd done um, a thesis on em emphysema and chronic bronchitis and asthma, and I was asked to go to Columbia University, so I, I took it. But luckily, just before I went off, I got the consultant job. Now, actually, the, what depressed me about Oxford was the, the pathology facilities were primitive then. I mean, I worked in a cupboard, literally in a cupboard, next to the lavatory. And uh, there was no window or anything. It was it was very very primitive indeed, and um, I I presume this is confidential. Yeah. But it, but you see, uh, Cowdell uh, was the consultant, and he left at about ten o'clock every morning, having done two coroner's postmortems or more, and Rob Smith didn't do any of the routine work, and as far as I know, didn't do any teaching. The teaching that he did was an occasional lecture. Well, I, I was interested in uh, pulmonary pathology and I went off to work at the cardiopulmonary division at uh, Columbia University, which was in Bellevue Hospital under Richards and Cournot, who got the Nobel Prize, you see. And it was it was really a very formative time. And I, they wanted me to stay, but foolishly, I had signed a contract saying I was going to come back to Oxford. <laughs> so I came back to Oxford, and um, I, I struggled away as best I could. Now, in 19... Uh, Cornell was very friendly with Pickering, and uh, he... Cornell came over because his daughter was a medical was a student a modern languages student at Somerville under Enid Starkey Enid Starkey was her tutor and so he took us all out to to dinner the um, that place in St Aldate's so with the Elizabeth uh, on more than one occasion anyway he he apparently went to see George Pickering 
and said, look, what are you doing about Daniel? He's <laughs> and uh, he's doing all sorts of horrible things that he doesn't want to do. And George then, in 1964, was asked to form a committee to, to uh, found the medical school at Nottingham. Mm -hmm. And he asked me to be on that committee. And that, that's how I sort of became interested in medical education. And... Um, there was it, 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 Janet Vaughan was on that committee, and Vaughan Williams, but there were lots of people from outside as well, Cranston and so on. The thing I remember most about that committee was that a, a saying of George Pickering, which I think was absolutely true, he said, what you've got to remember about teaching medical students is that 50% of what you tell them is wrong, but unfortunately you can't tell which is 50%. <laughs> Anyway, that uh, and then in when that that report was finished, and incidentally, Vaughan Williams wrote the wrote it. He was he was a very very good draftsman. Um, he asked me to become director of clinical studies in nineteen sixty seven, and they were worried about the numbers. And one of the things I instigated was a letter to every medical tutor in Cambridge offering them the facilities in Oxford and we did boost the numbers that was something that I was never given credit for but uh, I was asked to um, was, that time it was a, a time of flux because the honours school was was altering the, the final honours school of animal physiology was being abolished and they were having a broader spectrum of, of subjects and uh, I was asked uh, to um, a sort of report on this and what what I suggested should be done. Uh, it's coincided at the time of the Royal Commission on Medical Education, and I I wrote this report, yeah. which uh, was in that was in 1969, I think. Uh, I don't know if you want me to go through that, but um, well, not to repeat it. No, I want to bring Sorry. out the main. Main well, the thing the thing was, as you can see, the, the defects in the system uh, are. We I, I felt that the clinical course was too long. Uh, the Royal Commission recommended two years after, and I think that was probably right. But the, the there were five main defects which I put down, and the first one was there was no formal teaching in special pathology. And uh, the second one was that I thought there was an uneven balance in the distribution of clinical teaching. Thus, uh, obstetrics and gynaecology had 16 weeks, uh, which was the same amount as uh, general medicine and surgery, yet you couldn't become an, uh, deliver a baby in practice without having done an obstetrics job and uh, done a course in special specialised course. And then there were, there were eight weeks were given to the accident service when many of the students reported to me that they didn't see, have much to do, they were underemployed. And then there was, of course, the, the great point of contention was the revision course. And um, both Beeson and myself thought this was a cram course for the final examination. 
and encourages those students who are so inclined to take an easy life right up to the last possible <laughs> moment. And indeed, it did enable some people to pass finals who would otherwise fail and whose general conduct during the clinical course had not been satisfactory. And then uh, we felt there was little attention given to newer methods of teaching. Perhaps newer is wrong, but anyway, there was amount of, a considerable amount of uh, in the instruction in special subjects could be done on a seminar basis. And uh, to, to bring about these changes, I suggested a clinical course which is outlined in this uh, thing here. But there was um, the question of examinations. That was a great thing. And <clears throat> there, there, there was a general desire to to abolish the examination system as it was and do this continuous assessment business. But unfortunately, there was nobody really defined what they meant by continuous assessment. And uh, I, I, I've drawn up a, a thing there about it. Uh, so that, that uh, sort of set the, the um, agenda for the fact that they got to get some sort of teaching lab Yes. And Beeson and, uh, suggested going to the Commonwealth Fund. And uh, I wrote out a case for that, which I haven't got here, but anyway, they sent it off to the Commonwealth Fund under the signature of Beeson and Pickering. Yes. Uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. And they turned out trumps, yes. you see. Yes. Uh, now, having got all that, and it, it was, it was a, a good building. It was almost complete before the next, the next thing I'm going to tell you it was, was that um, Rob Smith, you see, objected to the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely terrible. And we had, by this time, Doll was a uh, professor. I think he came in, uh, Reader's Press, I think he came in 1970, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, that's right, he came in 1970. And he set up a working party you see, when all, the, and this was partly for them, you see, this was all discussed. And uh, also the fact that, uh, you know, the preclinical and clinical people were so wide apart and so on. And we used to meet every Saturday morning to discuss the future of the medical school. And um, the first thing I remember was that we interviewed Rob Smith because I made all this thing. About, and he complained, of course, bitterly that he wasn't given a chair and, uh, uh, of course, nowadays, everybody yes. seems to have a chair. <laughs> but, it, but in those days, it, it, they, you know, it was, a, it was a special thing. And he hadn't really done enough. Uh, not, I mean, he had got the brain and everything, but he never did anything in the department or teaching. He just ploughed his own pharaoh. Nobody, we never saw him. I mean, never took yeah, a... This may be then, but I'd always understood he did a lot in the classification understanding of lymphomas and that he sort did. of thing. But it, it sort of, he stopped, he'd stopped in, really stopped in okay. about 1938. Yeah. I can That's understand that. Mm. Just to go over one or two things, Mike. The, I can remember lunchtime post-mortem demonstration yes. by Rob Smith and Cowdell. Yes. Now the conditions were terrible. Yes, they were. And actually somebody else has poured scorn on the way they were conducted too. Yes, but I agree with that. they did do that. Yeah. 
they were bit, they were bad. That was a badly done, and that was in, in great contrast to what happened in Bristol, actually. Yes. Well, you know, the the post autumn uh, demonstrations were poor, and the post autumns weren't well done. No. And Beeson wanted to have the pathology centre stage of the introduction. He course, did, yeah. as it were, didn't he? Yeah. But now, I understood that he wanted to shorten the course, as you've said, as you wanted. And it was the surgeons who stopped him because they wanted people holding retractors, as it were. Well, I don't know about that. I felt there was a tremendous conservatism. I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't know how, co how is, confidential is, this is, but I, I can remember Lenningham, for instance, saying, well, it was good enough for me. I think, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing, He's you a see. Yes. A lot of that went on. And Maloney was, yes. of course, desperately awful, terrible, awful. And, well, Corrie'd gone by then. That was one of the things I noted about Oxford. Was it Corrie? Anyway. Sorry, that's but one of the things you remember that Corrie had gone. Oh. Yeah, I think he, he left. Right. And he, he was a terrible surgeon. I remember was him it? saying, I remember him saying uh, to me, he used to have me over to do frozen sections at the Ackland Hospital. No payment, of course. And... Uh, he would always talk about his uh, prowess, and he said, you know, Halstead once saw me do a mastectomy, and he said, Corrie, I've never seen anyone do anything like that. And I felt very gratified, but of course, <laughs> it was not the, the ironic side of the situation. It's not mentioned. <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, uh, yes, what, where was I? Uh, well, Beeson Be and the uh, length. Uh, uh, yes, the length, of course. Well, he, they, they were all against that. Yeah. And Rob Smith was dead against the whole thing. Dead against having the teaching well, the, he was an anti by then. Yeah, he was anything, completely anti-everything. And um, No, I thought, too, that Pickering was the guy who'd gone to Cambridge and sort of recruited. But really, it was your letters to yeah, the Yeah, it was, actually. And actually, I think the letter uh, was dictated by me, but it was uh, I think it was signed by Brown. Yes, I remember. But I, I did that, yeah. Yes, I was yeah. never given any credit for that at mm. all, no. You, you succeeded John Badenoch. Yes, I did, yeah. Okay. Yes, and I, a lot happened in that time then, didn't it? Yes, it did. With the introductory yeah. course, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, uh, yes. Well, yes, let me just see if I got a... Yes, he... he, uh, he Rob was destructive right the way through. I may say this. I, 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 what I may ever say about Robson, I was quite fond of him, and he was in a way very good to me. But uh, he was absolutely hopeless about this. I mean, when I can remember in my diary, I've got a, a terrible interview I had with him, when he and Cowdell wanted to get rid of uh, Winifred Gray. Do you know Winifred Gray? No. no. Okay. Well, she became, and luckily we, I got her back. Uh, she went out to High Wycombe and then she came back and became my closest colleague and is the pr primary person on exfoliative cytology in this country, actually, and written the standard book and everything else. But they wanted to get, as she was a marvellous pathologist, they wanted to get rid of her um, because she was a rather diffident sort of person and didn't sort of stand up to them. Now, what else have I got here? Well, the, then the doll committee, the first thing the doll committee did was, first thing we did was consider the chair of uh, clinical pharmacology. And um, this may be of interest to you. They, we decided to accept it uh, and from the, uh, the grant from the MRC and whoever it was that was going to give the money. And uh, doll had selected the candidate who was going to be dollary. 
But of course, he we got Graham Smith, thank God, instead. Yes, that was that. Um, now, as to the pathology course, they wanted me to become the um, whatever it was. They were the head of the uh, thing, and I didn't want to do that because I felt I felt I felt there was too much of this people antagonistic stuff, and I got fed up with it. And um, so uh, it, it went ahead, and actually it was quite successful. We had, I think they did quite well, that course. They, uh, the, the students liked it. And I don't know what happened when McGee came along. He's, he buggered the whole thing up, I think. But it, it, was, it was quite well done, and they had... Um, who, who ran it, really? Well, what happened was I sort of supervised generally, but we appointed Dessar as the yes. man, and then uh, Bradley, David Bradley. Yes. Uh, they, they came, and Bradley did rather well, actually. Yes. I thought he was rather good. Uh, <clears throat> then he went off to tropical medicine, and then, of course, they, they, then were, the other thing that was considered was the planning of the new hospital, <clears throat> which I didn't have anything to do with, didn't really want to have anything to do with, actually. Uh, and, of course, there they was David Tibbs, and there was that wonderful woman who was the sister on the gynecology ward, Chassamois' sister. Oh, she was splendid. She really knew her stuff. But she went off to marry somebody else who, who'd, uh, who'd um, got a manor house out at, at, at Whitney and three boys. He was a, a widower. And uh, I see her from time to time. I can't remember her name, but she was a rather jolly and good person. And then there was, of course, there was Hodgson. Yes who retired under, under circumstances which we needn't uh, <laughs> enlarge on. Uh, but anyway, they, they uh, Hodgson really slightly scuppered pathology because he, he, they went down to the basement, you know, and, and it wasn't a very enough, no windows or anything. And um, I remember the person, the matron or whoever it was, there was a, I think it was a matron, who said, oh, it doesn't matter, you can have pictures on the wall and so on. But that was a poor thing because technicians don't like working in electric light and it's very, uh, this fluorescent lighting is very tiring. Yeah. Yes, what else about pathology? When you said Tibbs was on it, now he was involved early, but I thought he'd given up and John Badenoch, I thought. Badenoch was on it yeah. too, but Badenoch really, I know, he, he was, I think he was merely a figure on the scene. Right. I don't think he did. So really. David Tibbs was still very much plugged in, was he? He was. Isn't yeah. that great? He was. Yeah. It, was it was Tibbs, Hodgson uh, and Badenoch and this girl who was a, a, a real matronly figure. She wasn't the matron. No. She, she was a, a really tough cookie and... Uh, and is a very nice person. I, I used to see her quite a bit, but I don't uh, haven't seen her for a while. What else am I going to say? Well, about uh, well, of course, the, the the medicine board. That's another thing yes. that was absolutely <laughs> hopeless. Yeah. John French was uh, uh, the chairman, and he wasn't very good. Uh, died suddenly, poor fellow. But uh, of course, the preclinical and clinical people didn't seem to get on. And they they ran us down. You see, the clinical school. They didn't. You've only got to hear Harry's uh, on the clinical school at that time, and um, that was difficult. And Doll actually was the chap who brought it all together and had a proper uh, board concerned with clinical medicine. 
Uh, that was yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, the Nuffield Committee was uh, another uh, thing. Well, I'll tell you something that was very bad. That this was very bad. This was uh, sort of in the in nineteen fifties, late nineteen fifties. They the the pathology department appointed people as graduate assistants, which of which I was one. And because I'd come from a university appointment in Bristol, and uh, there you did have time for research and teaching, but the point of that the graduate assistant was they were paid less than the registrars, but they did more of the routine work, and it was a criminal uh, state of affairs actually, yeah. uh, but one in those days with the hierarchical structure one didn't sort of complain but it was a it was a very bad system indeed and actually I've often wondered on personal I've often wondered that well I should have stayed in Oxford but I did um, because I was offered to go down to Bristol on several occasions and also when when the Nottingham school was founded George said I could have the chair there if I wanted and I didn't I, and the one in Leicester too <laughs> I didn't either I'm not I'm not very keen on titles I don't I think I think that's not a good thing um, then uh, 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 the people doing the the course you asked about that well Turk did the bacteriology yes. Sharp yes. and Emerson did the hematology yes. and the, I and the group did the uh, the histo histopathology, and um, there was a nice chap who did the biochemistry. Physically did a right, the, the, uh, biochemistry. Yeah, yes. so and that worked quite quite, uh, quite well. Now as to pathology, because uh, I but having come back from America, this was a terrible thing really. went. Alison provided a lot of material actually but he, he gave up really all the thoracic stuff and uh, so I, uh, Leddingham, bless his heart, came to me, I, I had the, the, in 1972 I think it was, I, had, I looked up in my diary, I, I meant to put it right there, came to me and said look would you do the renal biopsies and luckily shortly afterwards we had Morris and so I, I switched courses to, to uh, renal pathology. And actually that was very good because we had a good electron microscope and a good chap to do it, Mr. Jerome, to do the technical work, who'd done Flory's work. He'd left because I think Flory was a bit difficult. <laughs> and uh, and he, was, he was a good egg. And so that was a very productive period for me, actually, yeah. But in both, you always did quantitative stuff. Oh Very yes, much, yes, you? yes, I did. Big... I wrote uh, this book on, yes. on, on morphometry. Uh, this, this one here. Yes. So, yes. Um, 
with Bill Ahern. Yes, I did a lot of quantitative stuff on. Um, I mean, and, and that, actually, there was one one good thing about the department, is that nobody tried to direct me. I could have been doing, you know, um, sticklebacks or something. Yes, but I, I did. I was able to do the morphometry of the placenta with Bill Ahern, which was quite a good bit, and some on the kidney, which is good, and some on bone. And those are, are still quoted. They're still quoted in the, the press. I, only the other day I had a, a thing from a chap at the um, Nuffield Orthopaedic Centre asking me for my reprints on, on quantitative uh, changes in bone. And, of course, on the lung. I did a, a quite a bit on uh, emphysema. Yeah. So when did you retire, Mike? I retired in 1993. So why didn't you get a personal chair before that? Because oh, you were too near retirement. Yeah, I think I was too near retirement. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't particularly... I'm not, I've never been no, one sure for the you titles. No, you see, no, Dole was very annoyed with me because I gave up being uh, Director of Clinical Studies. I made it up later, but he, he I've, somewhere I've got a letter saying I hope you'll carry on for many years. And then he, uh, I think, side bottom will tell you, because he, he, he said he was there. I didn't know, I don't remember him being there. He asked if I would have the chair, you see, and I didn't want it, of course, because yeah. there a difficult lot of buggers there. <laughs> there. I mean, there was Whitehead and Cowdell, and oh, it, they were a terrible lot. And but Miller. McGee only compounded it, didn't he? <laughs> but me, McGee made it worse. So, and, and besides, I, well, I, I can't bear sort of commanding people, and I, I had enough of that in the army. No, so no, I didn't. And so I was able to apply my own foray, and I, I've really had a very good life, mm. very no, good I life agree. indeed. Yeah. You were going to mention the Nuffield Committee. Ah, yes, that was that was of course an extraordinary. And Camp Crampton Smith had a great, great thing about the Nuffield Committee because he was very anxious that they should keep the Nuffield money in. Well, of course, Dole bought in five new chairs. You see, paediatrics, neurology, biochemistry. Um, morbid anatomy and public health right. and uh, a, a tremendous achievement you see Dole was the great Dole was the greatest person we've ever had right. I, I mean I know he, there were difficulties with him but he, he was easily the greatest person we've ever had and of course they wanted they wanted the money and they, they, the idea that they should be starved of the Nuffield benefaction <laughs> anyway uh, Crampton Smith was always on about that every Nuffield committee it said it's a cream on the cake we should all have equal but we have more <laughs> <laughs> you see yes that, that was a favourite uh, favourite thing so Crampton Smith had two favourite things one was uh, the, we had the cream on the cake for, uh, everybody has an equal slice of cake but we have the cream on the cake the other thing was that my, my currency he used to say is uh, d fill thesis uh, I don't know why I thought that was perfectly good. But, uh, no. Well, that's. Uh, what about numbers? I mean, when ah, we well, too few students. But we got it up to 50 mm -hmm. pretty quickly and uh, a lot of uh, excess. And then, of course, the, they wanted, the UGC gave more money. But uh, as a quid pro quo, they wanted it up to 100. And the Nuffield Committee. Uh, which seemed to be the influential body at that they didn't want to increase numbers. But Beeson and I uh, both thought the ideal number was 60. That was the number at Harvard. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a number where you can know the name of every medical student without 
uh, too much effort. Whereas if you've got to 100 or 150, I don't know what it is now. Which uh, yeah. 150? Uh, yeah. Well, you see, you, de you can't possibly know everybody then. I mean, I've just been to see uh, Jim Holt uh, in hospital. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, he's, he's, he's out now, yeah. Yes. Uh, he had a, an asthma attack. Getting across that. Yeah, sure. uh, and he said uh, he was, uh, somebody came up to treat him in a very nice and he didn't realize the chap had been his houseman you see well that can happen you see yeah, of course. i mean i can't recall uh, all the juniors that came through the yeah. department by any means no no, no i can't uh, anything else we ought to talk about i think that you've covered it very well actually mike um where do you place Pickering? I know you said about Dole, and I'd agree with that. The Dole could see the future. Yeah, well, the thing about, about Pickering, it was just like the Warden of Merton. I've, I've had four Wardens of Merton. I'll just tell you this, a general thing. Pickering laid the foundation. He, Pickering laid the foundation and Pickering Beeson laid the foundation. Dole would not have got anywhere. He hadn't any. When he came, I, I, somewhere I've got, I keep all the letters I've got from these people. I, I took him to dinner. I had a dinner for him in Merton. And he was very, he was very, very grateful, always grateful. He always mentioned that because he'd got no experience of uh, really medical students and medical teaching at all. And he was very grateful for. For that uh, introduction uh, but no and this is a general rule I've found is that some poor chap gets appointed Regis Professor or Warden and he works like blazers getting the money and the foundation of people interested and then he retires and the next chap comes along <laughs> and takes the credit. This is exactly what happened in Merton as I know because John, my, my friend John Roberts and Rex Richards, you know, they yes. were wonderful, wonderful, wonderful yes. men. And John went to tremendous trouble to get money from uh, no Japanese stuff, and, the, and, and Rex too, they both, terrific amount of And then he retired, and this new warden came in, and everybody said, well, how wonderful that she's built this new, you know, well, she'd done absolutely, well, she had done a bit, but no, that, I know uh, what you mean. Yeah, and that happens a lot, I think. Yeah. Okay, Mike. I think I think I don't. I don't talk about McGee. Do we want oh, to? Do? Yes. No, oh no, no. well. <coughs>